What's happening, folks? Welcome back to another fun episode of Talking Paranormal. This week's going to get dark. <laughs> it's it's going to be real dark. I mean, it's but it's going to be a good time. It is. Uh, for a long time, Matt and I have discussed doing some true crime on the show. Um, not committing it, but talking about it. Um, and one topic that uh, we've definitely, you know, spoke about before are serial killers and it's super popular in the world of true crime so you know what better way to uh, launch our little true crime um series than uh talking about a very notorious serial murderer named edmund kemper um i don't know about you matt but uh i i've done a, I, i've listened to plenty of podcasts watched plenty of uh documentaries on serial killers and there are some that like i don't know stick out more than others and they just stand out from the crowd and it's a pretty messed up crowd um edmund kemper is one of them right bro he, he stands at the top <laughs> uh there's just there's something uh, there's something vile about this guy not that he's he's more or less vile than any of the other serial killers because they all have their own uh heinous acts of crime but uh, some of the things that Kemper did were just, uh, I mean, they, they were gnarly. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and I uh, mean, the guy was just, he was twisted. He really was. But he was smart. He, oh, he was, he's highly intelligent. Yeah. And that's actually something my wife and I were talking about this evening, just before I got on the show. We've been watching, uh, to put Bubba to sleep, I've been watching uh, Planet Earth on Netflix with David Attenborough. Oh, okay. Um, narrating puts them right out. Um, <laughs> and uh, we were watching this uh, killer whale pod hunt down a gray whale and her calf. Oh, geez. And like uh, just the way they take down such large prey is brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Oh, and yeah. my wife asked me, she goes, Does a higher IQ mean you're more sadistic? And I was like, Well, I mean, st- I mean, it stands to show that. Sometimes it depends on your situation. Cause I make mean, a lot of these serial killers are highly intelligent individuals. They are. Do you think maybe they have a superiority complex? A thousand percent. When you think you're yeah. the most intelligent thing in the room or on the planet. Yeah. You absolutely think you're better than everybody else. And that you can kill them because they're not, they're, they're just, they're just a play thing. They're an insect yeah. to you. God, man, I couldn't imagine what it would be like going through life like that. You know? Bro. <laughs> or having imagine being young right a young child and maybe committing your first act of violence against an insect or an animal a lot of them start hurting yeah. animals um it's just depraved but i, I wonder because it's like what le- like all these serial killers it seems like most of them have at some point i i don't think i've heard of many serial killers that have actually been interviewed um, say that they didn't harm animals or, you know, were very destructive um, when children. Um, I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure we'll come across a couple in uh, in our little uh, uh, expose of serial killers. But, you know, I, I wonder if, if they're just curious at first, you know, and then they get that first kill and then something inside them is just like, oh, this is what I want to do. See, and, I think I think they're bad from the get go, my man. Do you think they start off bad? Do do ba- can babies be born evil? 
I think I think they start off bad. Wow. Like I mean, huge psychological debate, psychology debate. Yeah. Nature versus nurture. Sure. Now you can say some of it plays into how something or someone is raised. Okay. Like uh, look at pit bulls, prime example. Yeah. Some of the sweetest dogs I've ever met, but raised wrong, and they're absolute killing machines. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I mean, it comes down to: is it in their nature to be that brutal, or and they just choose not to be? Yeah. Or are they just raised to be that brutal, and they sure. think they have no other choice? You know what I mean? So it comes down: it comes down to. I mean, and that's why nobody's really got a definition. Like, it's amazing that they can even try to profile these guys. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For instance, when I was a kid, uh, like animals like dogs and cats, I couldn't hurt. But and, and I would get sad if I found out that something with with uh, with eyes or that. Uh, well, let me give let me give you an example. We had this big metal gate when I lived in Seattle at my childhood home. And uh, it had big metal rollers on it. And I would find worms in the yard and I would lay them on the rail and roll the gate and just watch them just get cut in half. And because uh, I thought it was cool that both halves would still move. So I was super fascinated by it. Um, and no, I don't I don't think I was ever caught doing that. How many I bodies thought, you got in your basement, you psycho? A lot. <laughs> but uh, probably the most twisted thing I did as a kid. And I, I didn't realize it was twisted until my grandma caught me doing it. She used to have a fish tank full of angel fish and she had one of those uh scraper tools where she she could scrape the algae off of the glass yeah and uh one day i was like oh i could i could stick it in there and play with the fish and i started i stuck it in there and i was slamming the fish against the <laughs> the wall of the tank and she caught me one day and uh she was like basically oh my god what are you doing you're hurting the fish I never killed one, but uh, I was really, I was entertained by it. And I didn't realize that they could feel pain. And she's like, you're hurting the fish. And I was like, I'm hurting them. <laughs> she's like, yes, you're hurting the fish. And uh, I felt super bad. Um, so I, I do have remorse. Um, there's been a couple other instances like, uh, you know, you, you run over a squirrel or something and I just feel bad about it. So I guess I'm not as twisted as maybe, maybe, uh, could have been considered i mean if, if i was a mailman and i walked up to a house to deliver mail and this kid's like killing all these worms and just laughing and having a great time i'd probably be like that that's a future serial killer right there bro i'll tell you right now i uh i pull over to help turtles so yeah. <laughs> do you if one's yeah. flipped on its back would you be like oh shit let me just help you out buddy dude i get out of the car and help him across a busy road yeah hmm. we're doing hella gang shit out here <laughs> Oh man, did you hear about the guy who helped the ducklings across the road and got killed? Oh man. Yeah, he was so traffic all stopped, right, for this this family of ducks. And this yeah. guy gets out and helps them across the street, right? And from what I understand, he's walking back to his car and this teenage moron just mows him down, kills him. Oh, and his, and his, I think his family was in the car with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, "Oh, I got to save these ducks. Saves the ducks." You know his wife's like, up. "Wife's like, look at daddy helping the ducks." Oh my god! Oh, you know that's the conversation Dude. going on in that car. That's the oh, how cute! And then their dad gets mm. run over. Oh my mm. god, that is it's it's absolutely sad. Um, 
but I, I just don't have the I don't have it in me anymore. When you're a kid, you you have all these curiosities and stuff. And I I wonder if maybe these serial killers start off with just a natural curiosity, and then some of them enjoy it a little too much. You know. I mean, I'll give you that one. It could be. It could just be that. But again, at the same time, that's something within them that was broken before. What? Hold on a second. What is going on? Siri got triggered on my laptop and muted you and started saying, I found how serial killers. I'm like, what? What's going on here? Down, down, computer lady. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, So what were we saying, Matt? Sorry. Uh, I was saying, like, that's still something that's broken in them before they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you felt, (laughs) when you found out it caused pain, you felt bad. When they find out it causes pain, they don't give a shit. Yeah, no, I'm, I remember this one time. So my dad would take me every weekend on the other side of the state to visit my mom. And uh, there's like you drive through farm country. And I remember it was a, a, uh, a slaughterhouse and they'd have like the giant, you know, pen of cattle. And they had this big hill. And I was like, Dad, look at the cows. Cool. And then I found out one day that all those cows were sentenced to death. And every time we went by there for like a couple of years when I was super young, I would cry because I was sad about all the cows having to die. And then I learned that they were, they were hamburgers and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, never became a vegetarian though. Bro. I'll tell you this much. Like, uh, I raise cows, you know, I don't feel bad for eating a cheeseburger. Cows are assholes. I've had to replace so much wiring on trailers because they would just yank it off. They'd chew on it and just pull it off. Was that because they knew they were going to die? <laughs> no, it's just because they're assholes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you ever you ever notice I walk with a limp? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, I guess. Yeah, a little bit of a limp. That's because one of the bulls kicked me in the knee one time. Now, oh before, any, before anybody's like, oh, my God, this dude's Superman. He was a young bull. Like he was, he was coming into his first season. He wasn't a full, full size bull, but still a fucking bull kicked me right in the knee because we were trying to give him shots, and I was trying to get him into the squeeze shoot part of it. And I'd never, will never, and have never felt bad for eating a steak, a cheeseburger, uh, beef bratwurst, none of it. Well, I mean, uh... you know, people say fuck them kids, fuck them cows. Put yourself in his position. What if a bunch of cows are trying to give you shots? You're probably going to kick one of them, right? Bro, we were trying to give him his vaccination, turn him out with his Sheila's. He was going oh. to get he was going to get his bang on. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and unfortunately you can't you can't communicate to animals like I'm trying to give you at least an alright life before I I slaughter you so that other humans can eat you. <laughs> right, bro, you're about to have oh. 5 years of just hanging out in a field. Yeah. Five five long fruitful years. You don't have to work. You don't have to pay bills. You just have to die at the end <laughs> in a brutal way. <laughs> and see, dairy cows are worse because they lure you into that false sense of security. So you so used to getting handled. Oh man! Like you'd be like, oh, they're doing great, and then just randomly, well, they will kick out, try to stomp you. Oh really? Like they'll be docile. I'll get out. You can gather them up just by walking through the field. Come on, yeah. come on. And they're just they just start going to the milk bar. And you're like, you see, docile, docile mm-hmm. beef cows. On the other hand, you know what you're getting. They're sons of bitches. I mean, if someone's gonna play with my nipples every day, kind of look forward to that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh God. <laughs> oh man. Um. It. 
I guess it just depends on if you work around them. I, I'm sure it's different. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you don't know shit and then you see like the little news clips or like the 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 videos where these animals are just getting fucked up. It's it's kind of sad when you see it. It's like, Jesus, can't we find a better way to kill them? Like, I don't know. I mean, like I said, animal cruelty, that's a big no, no, big, big no, no for us. Sure. sure. I mean, I like to think that my beef is humanely put down with that rail gun they shoot them with. So uh, explain to me how that works, because I don't remember. I've never been there. I don't know, buddy. Oh, okay. I, I don't want to blow smoke involved. up your ass. I thought you were involved in everything, and you're the no, knower of things, Matt. <laughs> I am the knower of things. From my understanding, it's uh, like a giant bolt gun. Okay. And they just, and it's done. Oh. I've seen videos of, like, pigs hung upside down, and they just go up and just cut their throat. And I'm like, oh, my God. The pig was already dead. Oh, really? Should have been. And they're just draining its blood? Because yeah. I swear I saw it, like, doing a little shimmy, shimmy shake before. Well, I mean, with, with, how, cut out. <laughs> with how fast that production line's going, you're probably still seeing some nerve switching. Oh, yeah, I guess I guess so. Um, God. And chickens, that's – I when I was a truck driver, I saw – I I won't say the company, but I saw a, a chicken truck roll in. And they, they pack those fucking things, man. I'm like, Jesus. And then I hear, like, some of them don't have beaks and some of the other ones get pecked to death. And I'm just like, this is some brutal shit. Like, the whole farming industry is so brutal. Or it can be anyway. The farming industry isn't brutal. It's the industrial farms that are brutal. Okay, okay. fair enough. Industrial farming is brutal. Like, your mom and pop operation that, like, yeah. has been there for three generations. Mm-hmm. No, it's not bad. But, like, like... I'm not going to say the name. Oh, the beverage this evening, if anybody wants to know, is a Alani, Alani, I don't know, Kiwi Guava Energy. Ooh. I already chugged the Angry Orchard so I could be good and ready. I have, uh, I have this guy right here, but I don't know if I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm, I had a, a buddy give it to me. Oh, fuck. Um, Old Forester. Yeah. Never had it. I mean, Some I, mean I still. Might crack that open because uh, I might need a drink to talk about what we're about to talk about. I still got this guy that I'm nursing. Oh, I see. Um, on the sober side of things, I, I do have a Diet Pepsi over here. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't feeling like a beer tonight. I was actually feeling like some whiskey. So I might pop that open I, depending on how this goes. <laughs> I mean, considering what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Well, somebody... I won't call them out, but I'm sure they're going to end up listening to this and they might even be watching it right now. Said, uh, hey, when you drink on the show, you know that like about a half an hour and you start slurring. <laughs> and I was like, are you serious? Uh, I haven't gone back and listened, but uh, I was like, wow, I don't want anybody to think I'm an alcoholic because this is really on this show is really the only time I drink um, or well, on, be, on live shows. <laughs> I'll be real. If you're an alcoholic, you wouldn't be slurring halfway through. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Um because I'm, I'm a lightweight. But let's uh let's talk about Edmund Kemper. What do you know about Edmund Kemper? Matt? I know he was born December 18th, 1948. Nice, nice. He had several, several different aliases that the media gave him throughout. Yeah. Um, co-ed killer, co-ed butcher, ogre of Aptos. <laughs> oh, man. The Mad uh, Titan and Big Ed. Now, for anybody that doesn't know about Ed Kemper, he was a mountain of a man. I think he might still be alive, but he was six foot nine. Yeah, 
Big guy. Big, big imposing dude. guy. Big dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a character, man. Very, very like I said earlier, very, very smart. Super intelligent human being. Highly intelligent. Um, but damn was he twisted, you know? Bro. <laughs> About as twisted as they come. Um, um oh he was a middle child. Oh really? I didn't know he and had he was, I didn't know he had uh, siblings. He was an only child, a, well not only child, middle child and and the only son. Uh, so he had to deal with his sister's shit all the time. Yep. Finally drove him drove him over the edge. Um yeah, I uh I I just know from the various things I've seen on uh, on him, the documentaries and stuff, that there's something that clicked with him when he was a kid because he murdered his grandparents, from what I understand, or at, at 15. least one of them. Yeah, at fifteen. No, he murdered right? both of them. Oh, he murdered both of them. Mm-hmm. He, he murdered, murdered one, and then one came home, and he just straight up shot him. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's let me. Uh, I found an article. I don't know how long it is, so maybe we'll cut it off short. But uh, it started. Uh, talking about his young life so let's let's talk about this real quick it's um yeah from all things or all that's interesting.com they have an article about edmund kemper and it's uh the disturbing crimes of ed kemper the six foot nine serial killer who saved his grisliest murder for his own mom after killing his grandparents at the age of just 15 ed kemper went on to murder eight women between may 1972 and april 1973 often violating and mutilating their corpses afterward. The signs were there from the beginning. As a boy, Ed Kemper killed animals, decapitated his sister's dolls, and invented disturbing games. And at age 15, he murdered his grandparents, and there was no turning back. But when Kemper later confessed to killing six female hitchhikers in California in 1972 and 1973, as well as his mother and her best friend, the police didn't believe him at first. They knew and liked Big Ed, the six foot nine local man who was always hanging around and seemed like nothing more than a gentle giant. And like Matt said on the last episode, that for those of you that uh, follow us on YouTube, <laughs> episode number 46 was banned and pulled down because we watched an Apple, <laughs> an Apple commercial. So we'll have to get that back up, but the podcast should be okay, I think. My bad, guys. I was, I just thought it would really be interesting for the show. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he was. I, I guess he would hang out in the local bars talking to police, <laughs> you know, and they, they befriended the guy. Um, in truth, he was anything but a gentle giant. Ed Kemper was a cunning serial killer who raped corpses, mutilated dead bodies, and buried his victims' heads in his backyard. His high IQ of 145 only made him more dangerous as he used his intelligence to slip away from his crime scenes undetected. As chronicled in Netflix Mind Hunter, which is a great show, by the way, if you've never seen it, I'm disappointed Amazing it got show. canceled. Disappointed, I'm pissed. Um, Ed Kemper's murders were absolutely horrific, but his real story is far more chilling than any TV show could ever depict. Um, this goes into his childhood, it looks like. Uh, born on December 18, 1948 in Burbank, California, Edmund Kemper presented troubling behavior from an earlier age. From an early age, the future serial killer also had a tumultuous t- childhood. His mother, 
Claire Nell Elizabeth Kemper was an alcoholic who possibly suffered from borderline personality disorder. Her erratic behavior once led Kemper's father, a World War II veteran named Edmund Emil Kemper II, to remark, suicide missions in wartime and the later atomic bombing test or bomb tests were nothing compared to living with Clarnell. Damn. <laughs> That's pretty brutal. She regularly yeah, right. She regularly berated Kemper's father for his menial job as an electrician, and she refused to coddle her son for fear it would turn him gay. In that turbulent environment, Kemper began to develop dark fantasies early on. Fueled by these thoughts, he started decapitating his sister's dolls. So that's what turned the guy. His mom's a bitch. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I mean, also, I'm, it's one thing I'm reading right here. Um, his older sister pushed him into the deep end of the pool and he almost drowned. And then she later tried to push him in front of an oncoming train. Jesus. Wow. But yeah, That's... okay. Uh... Yeah. Oh, oh, here's a quote from Edmund Kemper. Wait on me. He said, I remember there was actually a sexual thrill. You hear that little pop and pull their heads off and hold them up by the hair. Kemper later said, whipping their heads off, their body sitting there. That'd get me off. In addition, Kemper forced his sisters to play disturbing games like electric chair and gas chamber. As if imagining where he might end up, Kemper had his sisters pretend to march him to his death. He once even stalked his second grade teacher while carrying his father's bayonet. And when his sister Susan teased him about kissing the teacher, Kemper coldly responded, if I kiss her, I'd have to kill her first. Good God. At the age of 10, Kemper's disturbing behavior escalated to violence. After his father left the family in 1957, the young boy killed both of the family's cats. He even buried one of the cats alive and later decapitated it. Meanwhile, without Edmund Sr. around, Kemper's mother began to focus her aggression on her teenage son. She made him sleep in the basement, claiming that he might hurt his sisters, and she regularly berated and insulted him, telling him that no woman would ever fall in love with him. At the age of 14, Kemper had enough. He ran away from his mother's house to live with his father, but by that point, his father had remarried another woman, and he sent his son to live with his grandparents. There, Edmund Kemper would become a killer for the first time. So... That's uh that's when the killing began. He killed his uh he killed his grandparents um as a teenager. Nineteen sixty four, yeah. August twenty seventh. Gosh. Bro. Yeah. Brutal. And that's that's when things got things things got dark from there. You know, he didn't kill that many you know, when you hear about serial killers, it's sad when you're like ten people, that's it. <laughs> you know, because you hear about these serial killers that kill 20, 30, 40, yeah. 50. Um, and God knows there's probably serial killers out there that have killed way more than that. I'm sure uh, I've heard of them. Bro, just people disappear up, up all the time. Like, and that's the thing that a lot of, that I was telling my, talking to my wife about um, and talking to some other people about was cr police procedurals as TV shows make it seem like crimes get solved a lot more often than they do. Yeah. There's a lot of cold cases. I mean, a lot of cold cases. I mean, God, I kind of wonder how many active serial killers we have right now. It seems like the 70s and 80s, there was something going on. <laughs> like, I don't know what they were putting in the water, but uh, it seemed like there were more serial killers then, you know, and they kind of. Um... Well, I mean, it's kind of like 
you have to kind of look at like right now as the 70s and 80s coming back around it's but it's just a lot more deranged this time around um free love love whoever you want to love do whatever you want to do you know what i mean and then it's when you have that kind of attitude and you're not vigilant and staying safe that evil will find its way into doing great harm absolutely i I, you know the media is partially to blame you know if i'm a serial killer and i'm twisted right i get my first kill nobody knows about me and i'm like man that got me off you know killing people is what gets me and i start murdering more more hookers you know murdering hookers let's say yeah i keep doing it and then all of a sudden they start finding the bodies and i've always been a nobody everybody's always told me i was a piece of shit never get married I've been an incel until I found prostitution. Yeah. And then the media catches wind of my crimes. And I start seeing it. And I go, whoa, whoa. These people are talking about me. And they're sensationalizing my horrific acts of violence. And I think that's when uh, I, I kind of wonder how many of the serial killers really got off even more when their crimes were being sensationalized oh, yeah. by the media. You know what I mean? Mass, like holy mass shooters shit. are the same mass shooters are the same way. You know, it's like I'm a movie star now. They said I'd be nothing and look at me now. I'm killing people and they're looking for me and they'll never find me because I'm smarter than everybody else. You yeah. Know? No, mass shooters are the same way. Like they have themselves so hyped up that they're gonna be talked about and remembered. Yeah. Yeah, that's a you know, it almost seems like we went from serial ki- and it's the same thing. Let's not get it twisted. But it's like horrific like very violent serial killers to mass shooters. And some of these mass shooters have killed more people than some of these serial killers. It's like, Jesus. Um, God, it, it's just twisted. When you start, if you go look up a list of all the most prolific serial killers, and you're going to be like, there's that many people that have just, you know, <laughs> gone on rampages killing people. Yeah. Um, some of them eating people. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, and we'll get into those stories <laughs> on some other episodes, but. There's been some serial killers that have done some, I mean, this guy's done some dark shit. There's some serial killers that have done even worse things. Um, it's just like, God damn. yeah, I don't know. But, uh, so if you don't mind, I'll talk about the first kills. Absolutely. Let's hear it. Um, so like I say, August 27th, 1964. And, and I'm reading this guys. Nobody can remember all this stuff <laughs> off the top of their head. It's just, we're doing it on video so you can see us reading it. Sure. Um, so like we knew he shot, his grandparents yeah but here's how it went down um his grandfather had given him a rifle for hunting but they confiscated it because he was using it to needlessly shoot animals <laughs> of course so they gave the guy a gun he went out and just started waylaying things so he got in an argument with his grandmother he went and got that rifle came back in shot her in the head without any other words and then shot her two more times in the back uh, yeah, she saw him coming with it, and she said, oh, you better not be shooting birds again, and then bang. Oh, yeah. Nope, not anymore. <laughs> like, Jesus. Um, and then when the grandfather came home from the grocery shopping that he had gone to do, um, Kemper went outside and just shot him in the driveway. Yeah. Yeah, he went out and shot him in the driveway, and then he called his mom. Jesus. I wonder what he said to her. He didn't say anything to her. 
They, wow. when asked what why he did it, he said, "I just wanted to see what it felt like to kill Grandma." And then he killed his grandpa, so they wouldn't have to find out that his wife was dead. That was a mercy kill. It was a mercy kill. That's why he said wow. at court. Wow, he must have liked his grandpa. He really did because he was worried about him being mad at him. Could you imagine that? Though? So your mom's a bitch. Drives your dad away. Your dad gets another family. You leave your mom. You go to your dad. And your dad's like, I got some shit going on here. It doesn't involve you. See you later. Why don't you go to live with your grandparents? So yep. the one the one man in your life left you because of your bitch mom. And then your dad shuts the door right on your face. I can imagine that just boiled him inside. His grandpa was probably the only person in his life that actually, you know, was a, was a good father figure. And that, you know, so if it was a mercy kill, I imagine. You know, if he hated his grandpa, he probably wanted him. He probably would have wanted him to see his grandma dead or his wife dead. You know, so. Well, what the psychiatrist, what the court psychiatrist deemed was that was in his way he avenged the rejection of his father and mother by killing his grandparents. Oh, I I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that plays into what you were saying. Hmm. Um, after that, he was diagnosed with uh, paranoid schizophrenia. Because his crimes were deemed incomprehensible for a 15-year-old to commit. We now know 15-year-olds can do such things. Oh, man. Um, And then he was sent to Adescadero State Hospital, a maximum security facility in San Lupus Obispo. Oh, San Luis uh, Obispo. Obispo, yeah. yeah. County that houses mentally ill convicts. And then once he was there, the psychiatrists and social workers there disagreed with the uh, court's findings of paranoid schizophrenia and the fact that he uh, had no interference with thought, no expression of delusions or hallucinations, and no evidence of bizarre thinking that goes along with schizophrenia. They also observed him to be intelligent and introspective. Initial testing measured his IQ at 136 over two standard deviations above average, Kemper was re-diagnosed with a less severe condition, a personality trait disturbance, passive-aggressive type. Later on in his time in the facility, he was given another IQ test, which gave a higher result of 145. So the dude was working circles around psychiatrists from the get-go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Kemper endeared himself to the psychiatrist by being a model prisoner and he was trained to administer psychiatric tests to other inmates you talked about that last week yeah um he was a good worker and that is not typical of a sociopath he took really took pride in his work sure he did um kemper also became a member of the jaycees while in the facility and claimed to have developed some new test and some new scales on the minnesota multiphasic personality inventory specifically an overt hostility scale during his work with the psychiatrist, after his second arrest, Kemper said that being able to understand how these tests functioned allowed him to manipulate his psychiatrist, admitting that he learned a lot from the sex offenders to whom he administered the tests. Wow. <clears throat> Man, that's... <laughs> You're intelligent to do that kind of shit. Like, oh, I can manipulate this system. Bro, that, that is chess. <laughs> that is... My God. That is chess. While everyone, while everybody else around him is playing, yeah, that's brutal. 
Absolutely brutal. Good God. <laughs> Jesus. So when uh I thought for a fun treat, <laughs> we would actually watch a YouTube video on one of his interviews. Um there's he's done a lot. Like he was really open. Once he was imprisoned, um, it seemed like he was really uh open-minded to i believe helping law enforcement you know catch people like him um and i believe he turned himself in right isn't that what happened um i think he turned himself in hold on i'm reading about his life in between arrests i just <clears throat> When you're that intelligent, I, I question, you know, even though he's twisted, you know, if you're that intelligent, I imagine at some point you go, this is wrong. <laughs> you know, what I mean? I, I'm really fucked up. Uh, but it's like, at, at what point I, was his last murder his mother? Or was it her best here. friend? I think it's probably his best friend. Hold on, I'm looking right here. April, it was April 20th, 1973. He was engaged. Wow. <laughs> um, was awakened by her arrival while she was in her bed. Okay, so when he came home, she woke up, and then she was sitting in her bed reading a book because he woke her up. And then he came in, and she said, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. And he told her, no, good night. And he then waited for her to fall asleep. Then he snuck back into her room to bludgeon her with a claw hammer and slit her throat with a pen knife. He then beheaded her and humiliated her corpse, as stated in the 1984 interview. He put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour, threw darts at it, and ultimately smashed her face in. He also cut out her tongue and larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. However, the garbage disposal could not break down through the tough vocal cords and ejected the tissue back into the sink. That seemed appropriate as much as she'd bitch about and screamed and yelled at me for so many years, Kempers later said. Um, he hid her mother, his mother's corpse in the, car, the closet and went to drink at a nearby bar. Upon his return, he invited his mother's best friend, 59-year-old Sarah Hallett, over to the house to have dinner and watch a movie. When Hallett arrives, Kimple strangled her to death to create a cover story that his mother and Hallett had gone away together on vacation. He subsequently put Hallett's corpse in a closet, obscured any outward signs of a disturbance, and left a note to the police. It read, Approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need to her for suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it, not sloppy and incomplete. Gents, just a lack of time. I got things to do. Wow. That's crazy. How about uh, that, though? The last words he heard from his mother is like, <laughs> suppose you want to sit up and talk all night. Like, I mean, yeah, bitch yeah, no, to the bitch, end. I don't. <laughs> I could. Um, uh, I, I hate to say it. This is going to sound brutal and vile coming from me. But God, I had to feel good to finally just <laughs> like that poor guy, you know. And I hate so, to say it like that, but fuck, man, when you're living with that shit, and your your mom is the the whole reason why. Well, maybe not the whole reason why, but a good portion of why you're so fucked up. 
and then you finally you finally are like i'm doing it because he murdered all those girls first so it's almost yeah. like well here's the thing he when asked why he turned himself in because he did he did he uh he got high on caffeine pills and trucked and drove for over a thousand miles what he had three guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition in the car because he figured he was the target of a manhunt, but then he never heard anything on the radio about his mom or her friend's murders. So he got to Pueblo, found a phone booth, and called the police, confessed to the murders of his mother and Hallett, but the police didn't take him serious and told him to call back later. So several hours later, he called again. So then he called somebody that he personally knew, one of the officers he personally knew from hanging out at the bar, the jury room, <laughs> um, confessed, and then he waited for them to come and get him. Um, when they got him, he confessed to the murders of the six students. When asked in a later interview why he turned himself in, Kemper said the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And the point, and at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. He got bored with it. Wow. What a pussy, though. He had to take caffeine to <laughs> drive a thousand miles. What a puss. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a uh, man. What a fucking twisted son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Good God. Got bored with us. We turned himself in. Good gosh. Wow. But, but I here see you go. That he had a thing for Asians, it looked like. He might, oh, I mean. <laughs> he killed a couple of them. Killed a couple. Oh. Uh, in his trial, and this is what we were talking about earlier, about them being higher, higher, thinking they're higher. He felt like they were his possessions, and he wanted them for himself. That's why he killed them and decapitated oh. them and kept their heads. Uh, apparently, he also participated in cannibalism. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Huh. They gave so, him truth serum? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, he, uh, it took the jury five hours to de decide if he was sane and guilty. That might be a debate. You know, when you get into these trials. Um... Bro, insane or not. True, but you have here... to understand, at a trial, they're trying to figure out, because of course his defense attorneys are going to try as hard as they can to get him uh, the insanity plea so that he doesn't get put to death. Um, well, yeah, because defense attorneys are worse than the criminals. Right? What kind of a... What kind of a job is that? You got to sit with these people and figure out how you're going to defend them. <laughs> like, um, but as a def in defense of a defense attorney, I'm going. This guy's fucking insane. We he's not a normal person. No normal person does this. He can't just go to jail. Fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, keep in mind this was the '70s. So yeah, I mean, he was one of the first. God. <sighs> yeah, that's. Uh... However. Yeah, I mean, he's serving life, obviously. I gotta see here. Kemper, Ed Kemper, cannibal. See, I'm not seeing anything about him being doing cannibalism. 
Asian. I mean, they all did kind of look similar. One of the girls he killed was a 15-year-old student. Oh, here we go. Hold on a second. Let's see if I can. Da, 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 da. Stupid ads always get in the way. I just damn it. How are you going to have a oh, here we go. Okay. This is actually from Wikipedia Um, right here. Uh, Yeah. Three uh, court-appointed psychiatrists found Kemper to be legally sane. One of the psychiatrists, Dr. Joel Fort, investigated his juvenile records and the diagnosis, and this was when he was a juvenile, obviously, was that he was once psychotic. Fort also interviewed Kemper, including under truth serum, whatever the hell that is, and relayed a little Coors Light, (laughs) and relayed to the court that Kemper had engaged in cannibalism alleging that he sliced flesh from the legs of his victims, then cooked and consumed these strips of flesh in a casserole. Nevertheless, Fort determined that Kemper was fully cognizant in each case and stated that Kemper enjoyed the prospect of the infamy associated with being labeled a murderer. Sensationalized. Yep. Then Kemper later recanted the confession of cannibalism. I imagine if you... So let's dig into that a little bit. So he confesses under truth serum that he was a cannibal. Now, he later recants that. Does he recant it because he realizes how vile and disgusting it is? Uh, did he say it in the first place to go, oh, I'm already being sensationalized, so I'm going to fucking make him think that I'm the worst of the worst? Um, it's interesting that for being as smart as he did, he recanted it later. So if he was lying, why was he lying? And if he was telling the truth, why did he recant it? Interesting. Very Interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I'd like to. We're we've got a little bit of time left. Um, so He's gonna, still alive and still trying to get out on parole. Holy shit! Could you imagine if he got out? We should have him as a guest on the show. Well, I mean, they've denied him <laughs> parole every every time. Like starting in 1980, he was first eligible for parole. He's been denied parole since 1979 and there's been a few instances where he's waived his right for parole, the waived the hearing, but his he's up next he's eligible again for parole next year. Wow. Matt, let me ask you something. Yeah. If this guy and this question goes to the chat too. Yes or no? If this guy was released on parole, do you think he'd kill again? Yes. Because that's a long time to be harboring those feelings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good God. What do you guys in the chat think? Yes or no? Would Edmund Kemper, if paroled, kill again? I'm going to lean towards, no, that he's been fully re- rehabilitated and that he's a he's a good man of God. <laughs> thousand percent. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's the best answer, right? That is the best answer. <laughs> Yes, yes, a thousand percent, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Now, what I wanted to do is play one of his interviews. Yep. Now, he does have a couple. Now, I'm curious. 
Um, let's see, how old was he in his first interview? So he was born in 48. His, uh, let's see here. So he would have been 36 in 1984, if my math is right. So we have an interview from when he was 36 and then another interview from when he was, let's see here. Um, the, the next interview would be from 1991. So do you want an older Ed Kemper when he got a little fat? Or do you want uh, a skinny, deranged, psychotic, thick glasses wearing psychopath? Dude, let's do young. Young? All right. Let me get this queued up here, folks. Wait a second. <laughs> when it's all fresh in his mind. This should be interesting. He's had a lot of time to he's a smart guy. You know, if we listen to the later interview, he might be saying some shit to placate people. You know what I mean? Let's see. I'll tell you right now, I agree with what uh Dutch is saying. What's he saying? Uh he wouldn't make it a week before somebody put him down. You think? Bro You, you don't think the guy would go into hiding? <laughs> no, because in his mind he's you I guarantee you in his mind he's done his thing. He's done his time. It's over. You might be right. Let's see here. Share tab audio, crumb tab. All right, hopefully this doesn't boot us. Here we go. If there's an Apple ad, just kick it right off. <laughs> uh, nice. And uh, I kept on. This one. <laughs> well, I'm not an expert. Okay, here we go. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Can you say how many people might be doing crimes like you were doing? It would be a guess, but it's not. It's far more than 35. It isn't that impossible in this society. It happens. Are there more people? They didn't give up. Uh, how he, many? She didn't give up. I did. I came in out of the hole. How brave is that dude to be sitting there with Ed Kemp? There are some people who... Not handcuffed. A nice guy. Did you like Kemper? I like Kemper. You were able to appear like an ordinary person, non-threatening to... I lived as an ordinary person most of my life, even though I was living a parallel and increasingly sick life, other life. One victim let me back in the car. I locked myself out. She opened the door for me. My gun was under the seat. What in the hell am I doing telling you that? Am I looking, am I, am I a masochist? Am I looking to be tormented further? I'm trying to show you just how awful this got, how commanding these rages got. I was raging inside. There was just incredible energies, positive and negative, uh, depending on a mood that would trigger one or the other. And outside, I looked troubled at times. Other times I looked moody. Uh, other times perfectly serene. Not very sane. But again, people weren't even aware of what was happening. In 1972 and 1973, a series of murders shocked Northern California. College girls began to disappear while hitchhiking. Two of the victims were picked up from the campus of the University of California at Santa Cruz. That's where Ed Kemper's mother was working as an administrative assistant. You were involved in the campus because your mother worked there. Yes. I was also involved in killing co-eds because my mother was associated with college work, college co-eds, women. 
and had had a very strong and violently outspoken position on men for much of my upbringing. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. And I watched the alcohol increase. I watched her social life drop off. I watched her get bizarre. She had terrible pain from her life, earlier life, her upbringing, uh, a failed marriage with my father. I'm a constant reminder of that failure. I hate to distill it down into such uh, into one word realities like that. There's a lot that leads into that happening, but that is what happened. They represented not what my mother was, but what she liked, what she coveted, what was important to her, and I was destroying it. You know, <laughs> the last thing his mom said to him, just listening to him talk, I'm like, I bet this guy could talk your fucking ear off. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? He seems like a talker, and I'm like, that might get a little annoying, you know, if he thinks he's so fucking smart. <laughs> uh, Bro, but I mean, and you're drunk? Of... And you're drunk and you're listening to this guy? But the thing of it is, man, your, your parent... Like, I understand he was a grown-ass man, but still, your parents should listen. Like, if you need to talk Absolutely. about something, you know what I mean? You should you should be able to count on your parent to be that at least that very one person. Absolutely. Could you imagine, though? Like, he, he clearly said, you know, all he wanted to do was be loved by his mother. You know what yeah. I mean? And he's trying to talk to her, have a, have a normal conversation. She's drunk, so she's probably, like, <laughs> you know, belittling him and berating him like he said. You know, he's probably like... Mom, I can't meet any women. And she's probably like, well, you're stupid. And you wear those dumb glasses and you look like an idiot. You know, just saying the worst shit you could say to him. And it's just belittling him. So eventually, you know, he didn't. <laughs> he definitely didn't stick his wiener into a portal. But uh, <laughs> why did you actually kill the girls? My frustration. My inability to communicate socially, sexually. I wasn't impotent. But emotionally, I was impotent. I was scared to death of failing in male-female relationships. I knew absolutely nothing about that whole area. Even if just sitting down and talking with the young lady. I need to be able to really communicate. And ironically enough, that's why I began picking people up. And I'm picking up young women. And I'm going a little bit farther each time. It's a daring kind of a thing. At first, there wasn't a gun. I'm driving along. We go to a vulnerable place where there aren't people. Oh, shit. Where I could act out. Oh, no, shit. I can't. You've got to be shitting me right now. <laughs> hey, Chris, that looks kind of familiar. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was thinking about this <laughs> and I was like, we should try to find serial killers that could possibly have been in a Mopar. You know what I mean? Oh, God. I won't hear the end of this one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then a gun is in the car, hidden. And this craving, this awful, raging, eating feeling inside. I could feel it consuming my insides. That's just the ballast resistor, dude. Keep an extra in the glove box. <laughs> yeah. This fantastic passion. Uh, it was overwhelming me. It was like drugs, it was like alcohol. A little isn't enough. At first it is. And as you adjust to that psychologically and physically, you take more and more and more. It's the same process. So it finally came down to the thing of, do I dare bring this gun out? Already realizing if that gun comes out, something has to happen. It was going to happen. 
I didn't see it then, but it was going to happen. I was playing a dangerous game with a loaded gun that got us all. On one occasion, Kemper picked up two roommates in Berkeley. In the first killing in May of 72, when that gun was pulled out, I launched it out. For, and I had it under my leg, out of sight, parallel to my, to my leg in the seat. It was something that had been thought out in fantasy, acted out, felt out hundreds of times before it ever happened. Kemper drove them at gunpoint to a secluded area near a park. He took one of them into the woods, leaving the second girl tied in the car. I'd just gone through a horrible experience with her roommate, stabbing her. And I was in shock because of that. I couldn't believe that it was that way. And I'm walking back there bewildered. I gotta kill her. I can't let her go. She's gonna tell him. Everybody's gonna get me. She sees the blood on my hands. What are you doing? And she pulled back and she gasped. And I think, whoa, I don't want her to know what happened. I said, your friend got smart with me. She'd been getting really smart with me a lot, but I never hit her. I killed her, but I didn't hit her. I said, your friend got smart with me and I hit her. I think I broke her nose. You better come help. She's about to die. Why, do, why does she have to know that? I couldn't deal with telling her that. And when I attacked her, she didn't at first realize what was happening. It didn't go through. She had very heavy coveralls on. It knocked her right up into the lid of the car, but it didn't pierce the clothing. So it wasn't that swell a knife anyway. I went out and bought a, a pawn shop huge knife. What a cheap ass. And uh, <laughs> I kept on just mindlessly attacking. She falls back into the trunk. I just killed a young woman. I slammed down the lid of the trunk. She isn't dead. She's dying. And I panicked. I thought, I just locked the car keys in because I can't find them in my pocket. Oh, my God. I locked them in the trunk. I'm kicking on the trunk lid and yanking on it. Oh, no, I don't believe this. I started to run, and I tripped over the gun that I'd had in my pants that I had totally forgotten was there. I stopped. I said, stop and think. I collected my wits. Check all your pockets. I picked the gun up. I stuck it back in my pants, now remembering I had one. I checked all my pockets, and there's the keys in the back pocket. I never put them in my back pocket. Everyone makes mistakes, and that's what we have to hope for. The more mistakes they make, the better, better their chances. I thought I was pretty slick and went and tripped all over myself, that first two murders. The first 24 hours, there were three clear times I should have been busted, and I wasn't because three different individuals or three different groups of people got scared and minded their own business and looked the other way. Some of the people who are committing murders, even as we speak, if they're doing it by themselves and they tell no one about it, they could go on undetected until they decided to stop. And the police wouldn't catch them unless we just happened to roll up on them while they were doing Shit. it. Shit. Even after police warnings against hitchhiking and an increased bus schedule on the campus, Kemper had no trouble picking up hitchhikers. Ironically, one warning advised riding only in cars with university stickers. Kemper's car. Oh, how hard was it? Oh, my God. My mother worked at the campus, and I had an A sticker on my car, an obvious access day or night to the campus. I was picking up some very lovely young women. You know what we were talking about as we're driving around? Almost as often as not, this guy that's going around doing this stuff. 
And the second they started talking that, they didn't realize it, but they were getting a free ride. I couldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole, I swear. You know, but they'd be telling me what all about this guy and they're comparing wow. notes and speculating on what he looks like. So if he picked up a hitchhiker and she was talking about the murders and the guy, he wouldn't kill him. Right. Interesting. Dude, it's, it's the fame. Why he's That's crazy, right? Telling me about it. So how come they get in a car with somebody at that time? She judged me not to be that guy. I didn't look like it. It's getting wow. easier to do. I was getting better at it. I was getting less detectable. I started flaunting that invisibility, severing a human head, two of them at night in front of my mother's residence with her at home, my neighbors at home upstairs, their picture window open, the curtains open, 11 o'clock at night, the lights are on, all they have to do is walk by and look out, and I've had it. Why did you keep the heads? Why did you cut them off, and why did you keep Something out of my childhood. Uh, I could put it on an incident. I mean, my father chopping the heads off of our two pet chickens and my mother insisting that I eat them for dinner. Uh, <laughs> you know, we could say it was something that simple. I don't think it was. Now, my dad heads out back with a hatchet. I got on my bike and I rode. I tried to stop it. I remember that. I got on the bike, rode around the block. I was crying. I haven't talked about that for a lot of years. I'm sure wow. that may have implemented something. That may have gotten something rolling, but along fantasy lines. But it took a lot of years of development. Maybe <clears throat> some people get PTSD, and then they uh, they react differently. I wonder if his PTSD led him to become a killer. Maybe. That sounds traumatic because he, he openly admitted that he doesn't talk about that. She hasn't talked about it forever. You know what I mean? Or, or I mean, thought how about close, it. How close was he to these chickens? Jesus Christ. <laughs> he had them named. Fuck. Yeah. Regular and extra crispy. <laughs> but how are you able to, in one minute, have someone's head in your hand? And very shortly thereafter. Living through a fantasy. However, that would relate to that severed. He does look like Ned Flanders. And then five minutes later, I'd put that away, and there'd be a knock on the door, and I'd put it away and answer the door. And the landlady would be there. I apologize for this audio quality, it. folks, but guess what? this is good. This, this is too good. Her reality, not mine. Some people go crazy at that point. I felt it. It was one hell of a tweak. I mean, to just flip out and not know where I was to be walking up the stairs with a camera bag that belonged to a young woman that had her severed head in it. Walking up to my apartment past a happy young couple coming down the stairs who nodded and smiled at me as they went by. Good evening. And they're going out on a date where I'd love to be going. And I'm aware of both of these realities and the, dis the distance between those two was so dramatic, so amazing, so violent that really, I can feel the wheels squeaking inside. That was really pulling on it. And I imagine at that point, some people break. But I didn't literally go insane. I didn't get lost. And all this time, Kemper was able to seem normal. He even hung out at a bar across the street from the courthouse, making friends with the police. The jury room. Trying oh to pick up God. information. 
they'd buy me a beer, I'd buy them a beer. Uh, casual relationships, but that was I was poking around a little bit trying to find some things out. I knew they wouldn't be privy to hot information, but there were some things that were bothering me, like were there any speculations on how they were dying? Did the cops like you? Like I said, a friendly nuisance. I got in the way, and it was deliberate. Again, friendly nuisances are dismissed. How did you get the knowledge to outsmart the police? Watching television. Believe it or not, Joseph Wambaugh, police story. Got some tremendous insights into not just the gimmicks, the actual things, the tidbits that you would pick up from their procedures, but the mechanics behind that, the logic behind it, was I would not allow myself to walk into even a potential trap of behavior. And one of those was talking about those crimes too much to people, initiating conversations about that. There was a, a memorial service for two of the victims. Yes. Were you tempted to go? Yes. But I'd uh, seen one too many episodes of one too many crime shows where that is one of the available resources for clues. Tracking down the attenders. Take one man taking pictures of the people there to eliminate as potential suspects. Some police department. Now, they actually came to your house to pick up a handgun. Sheriff's representatives. One of the detectives was upset because he heard I had a 44 Magnum pistol and was a convicted man. He came to take the gun away, and it was on a, he and his sergeant detective. They were staking out the wrong house. It was across the street, and I'm playing around with a car, standing next to the gun in the trunk. They come over and ask me about, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, do you know who lives in this house across the street here? Well, that house was 609 Harriet. You crossed back over to this side and 609 Ord, and they were looking for me and didn't even know that, see what I mean? Bad news. Well, at any rate, we walk into the house to have them ask my mother about this other house, and I'm saying, hey, which 609 are you looking for? And they said, are you at Kimberly? Yes. And it goes on. And uh, I needed to find out what they were looking for, the murder weapon, the 22 automatic, or the 44 Magnum, and I don't want to advertise that I've got a whole bunch of guns. Uh, wow. So I made a comment to, to divine between the two. And uh, I said, yes, quite a little gun, isn't it? And he retorted, a 44 Magnum, I hope so. And I said, Phew, okay, because that loaded 22 was under the front seat and guaranteed me an arrest right on the spot. And the 44 was in the trunk. I forgot that. I took him in the house. We went into my bedroom, and the closet doors open, and I have a high-powered rifle with a scope on it. You had some other stuff in the house, too, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Clearly, they didn't do background stuff. checks back then. This no. guy was in a mental institution. Right next to the guns in the closet in a box. Could he have seen it? No. But when he arrested me for having all those guns and went through the rest of the closet looking to see if there were any pistols or anything else, he wouldn't have, couldn't have helped notice a purse, a book bag, and co-ed ID inside of those belonging to their two latest murder victims. I back up. I said, oh, excuse me. I just remembered. So, and instantly he responds to what I'm saying. My hand moves. Back we go outside. And he's still thinking, boy, this is a really nice and helpful guy here. Uh, some of these people uh, do what you and I do to become better killers. They practice their trade. Did Kemper stop himself uh, toward the end of his career? Kemper says he did. He says he could have gone on. He said he had fantasies of killing uh, 
dozens more people of leaving a trail of bodies across the country. And at one point, he just got on the telephone and turned himself in. He said it was time for the killing to stop. In his case, he said uh, publicly that it was his mother that he was killing all along. And when he killed his mother, uh, that was the end. It's a very deep psychological observation from himself that uh, may be very accurate. It was springtime. It was April. Uh, and for two months, I hadn't killed. I said, it's not going to happen to any more girls. It's got to stay between me and my mother. And it's got to, I can't get away from her. We're still fighting. She's still belittling me. She's still, I'm like a puppet on a string. And I entertain her. She knows all my buttons. And I dance like a puppet with that pain. And it had even gotten physical to where I had physically grabbed her and thrown her onto her bed, trying to emphasize a point that she's threatening to kill her. So here I pick up these two young ladies in Berkeley on Ashby Avenue. One has flowers in her hand, petite little dolls. They're in granny dresses and they're hitchhiking, a couple of real experts. I want to see how together I am, if I can resist this temptation. You going to Walnut Creek? Great. And they get in my car. They want to go one way. I know they need to go the other. If they go the way they're insisting on, we're headed right there. There was a barracuda right there. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. Oh, my God. Rewind it. For those of you new to the show, Matt and I are car guys, uh, specifically Mopar guys, so old uh, Chrysler, you know, Dodge and Plymouth muscle cars. And so that was the joke earlier because he was in a Dodge Dart. And here, (laughs) barracuda. Where is that? Get in my car. There it is, right there. E body. Boom. Barracuda. Looks like a yep. 70. Amazing. What a treat for uh, oh my our God, car guy listeners. Relax, <laughs> and they'll take me to their death. I've got the gun in the car. The same one I've been doing it with. I insisted, as gently as I could, I took them where they needed to go to their college. That was one week before I murdered my mother. I said, she's got to die, and I've got to die for girls like that. Do you think think he has, like, a little bit of a sense of humor? Like, they're driving, he's like, man, I'd really kill for a cheeseburger right about now. (laughs) Bro, there's there's no telling. Gosh. I mean... How crazy you get in the car with a guy who's killed women and decapitated them and you have no idea and he just drops you off. I wonder if I wonder if those women ever realized later were like, oh my god. Yeah. Wow. How crazy. And that's when I decided I'm going to murder my mother. I knew a week before she died I was gonna kill her. And she went out to a party, she got soused, she came home, went to sleep. I was woken up by that. I got, came out. I walked up to her bed. She's laying there reading a paperback. As many thousands of nights before. And she said, oh, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. What a bitch. <laughs> what a bitch. Said, Good God. I looked at her. I said, no. I said, Good night. Is he crying? Oh, my God. Here we go. <sighs> He's breaking down. I knew I was going to kill her. Wow. You know? And I'm so cold. It's so hard. And that's the first time in 10 years. 
Now, is he crying because he all he wanted was the love of his mother? And he finally right. realized he had to kill her. Or, like, why is he crying? That's a good, like, I'm, I'm curious. What What is it about? Like, was it the fact that you know, I should have just killed her all along? I killed all these innocent young women? <laughs> I, it, probably a combination of that and the fact yeah. that, like, the last thing she said to him was just really shitty. It was really <laughs> shitty. Uh, and, you know, there's got to be a point, you know, if you're a guy like him, and he knows that the only reason why he's done these vile things, maybe the only reason, at least the one that he pins, is his mother. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, God, that's got to be fucking rough. Look at it that way. I mean, that intensely, that honestly. It hurts. Because I'm not a lizard. I'm not from under a rock. I came out of her vagina. See? Came out of my mother. And in a rage, I went right back in. For seven years, she said, I haven't had sex with a man because of you, my murderous son. It's one of our arguments. I cut off her head, and, I'm, and I humiliated her corpse. It's there, you know? A six young woman dead because of the way she raises her son and the way her son There's is the answer. raised, the way he grows up. And what's her closing words? I suppose you want to sit up all night and talk. God, I, don't, I wish I had. Hmm? Your grandmother and her daughter-in-law, your mother, were two women very important in your life. And you killed them both. Could you say what they were like that led them to the same fate? Same thing that kept them from ever being friends. They were both aggressive, um, matriarchal women. They'd been the daughters of strong matriarchal women. I still loved my mother. And it's hard for somebody to comprehend that you murder your mother through love. It isn't a rational process. It's a very painful process. It isn't rational. And I've got to still live with that. Why did you wind up giving yourself up? It had to stop. It had to stop uh, once my mother was dead. There was almost a cathartic process at that point. I got physically ill right then when she died, when I murdered her. And once she was dead, there was no way I could back out. I had backed down from giving up a thousand times. You know, I used to get drunk and go sit out in front of the sheriff's department in a parking lot across the street on one of those old concrete parking berms. And I'd just sit there and say, no, I still can't. The clanging doors, I could still hear them. No, because it'll never open again. You know, so I, I, I uh, rationalized that to give up would be insane. To give up would be crazy. I'd be giving away my freedom, and I don't need to. But I look back on that and wish I had earlier when I was saying those things to myself. The people who were later dead wouldn't be. The regret that came later would have not had to be regret yeah that those he would be locked up things, those people would still be with their families with their loved ones so it might be some they remorse we're seeing we're seeing from the killer if i yeah, but don't but keep in mind this guy also decision. learned how to work his way around instead of painting myself into the corner where might you be if you'd never given in to the impulse to murder where might i be 
if my parole had been successful. Uh, I believe I'd be married, I'd have children, I'd be heading toward my first grandchildren. Dude, I think. Hyundai Ionic nope, 6. Nope, not today. Summit. <laughs> uh, I, I think that... And, uh, I think that he's playing him. He's like, he knows he's already caught. He's already caught. He's already locked up. Yeah. He knows he's going to be going up for parole many times. As oh, long playing. as he's alive. He's playing here. Wow. Oh my I mean, he's, he's admitting to everything, but like the remorse and everything, he's playing. I would love to see, because there are body language experts out there and people that can see through bullshit really easily because they've studied the shit. I wonder, I mean, if I, if I was one of those people, I would love to just sit and listen to these interviews and watch these killers and see if I can decipher maybe some of their body language. Because there was a couple times in there where I'm like, I think his wheels are turning of like, what could I say that makes me uh, humanize me a little bit instead of depict me as this monster, you know? Yeah. Wow. What a crazy interview. What, where are we at on time? Hour 13. God, I kind of want to see if there's a difference. Let's watch a little bit of this one. Unless you got to go, Matt. You got to go? I mean, no, I'm good, man. All right, you let me know. I just, I'm, I'm now I'm curious what he's like later. How is this even worse? <laughs> this is the French interview. He did an interview with a French author. Look at him back there. So this is seven years later. Let's see. In seven years. In seven years. Let's see if his tone has changed. What about the balls on that lady, though? She's in there with an unchained Ed Kemper. Just back there chilling. Talking him out. Dude, I bet he's behind bars. I bet he's the nicest guy. I bet he's nice to all the guards. Uh, he's playing everybody. Because if right. he does anything out of, out, of, out of line, at least when he goes to his pro, he's like, I'm nice to everybody. Shit, I'm a good guy. I just everybody it was my mom. Me, it was my mom. She's dead. God. That, was, that wasn't me. That was Patricia. Now, in the other interview, he had said that his mom had said she hasn't had sex with a man in seven years, whatever, due to her murderous son. He so, with her. yeah, but how cold is that? Talk about him murdering his because I mean, I'm sure she knew he murdered his grandparents. The fact that lady had some balls, you know what I mean? You're gonna murder grandma and grandpa, and they haven't been as much of you know, as as much jerks as, as I've been to you. I mean, talk about really facing down the barrel and being like, you ain't got the balls. That bitch is hardcore. My god, talk about gangster. She'd look, at the, she'd look at the predator and be like, what. You got camouflage. Until she got until she saw the wrong end of that Stanley hammer coming down onto her skull. Good God. Man. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he killed he killed his mother with love. Murderous son. God. The most you take a shot at him for the most your life is ruined because he's a piece of shit and killed his grandparents. Jesus. I suppose you want to sit up all night and talk again. My God! What? Oh, I'm Jesus. sorry. Did I interrupt your trashy romance novel? God. Oh, 
Let's okay. Let's hear this. Reading a paperback. We don't know what that's code for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I didn't even ask him that. Just proffered the information that he wouldn't hesitate a second to pull the pull the lever on any serial killer, right? And I'm thinking, gee, he just killed me. You know. If you stop and think about it, if I were to uh, if I were to have been uh, executed in a timely fashion, they would have had absolutely no input. And they'd be scratching their heads about what makes a serial murderer tick. Okay, I'm pause it for a second. All jumping up to give their opinion. Now he's getting cocky. He's getting cocky, but this is where he's talking about how they started with him when they started forming the uh, profiling yeah, database. The behavioral analysis unit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, now he's cocky. Yeah, because now he's got a new reason to be uh, interesting. Yep, that's what this is. All right, all right, I've been doing it for a lot of years, and unfortunately, they don't hit too well. They don't have too good of a track record. He's a little smarmy. I'm not sure whose name. We need to put one specific name down here. Who should we? Uh, and would include serial killer, obviously. Yeah, but uh, yeah. obviously, very few of them could if there's yes. only 35 serial killers. <laughs> no, no, they're talking about uh, close to 100. Oh, the mustache uh, stroke. Right now. He's an so asshole. Yeah. He's an asshole. <laughs> That's, uh, that wasn't done. Because you also, have, you also wow. have to include. Interruption. No, no, I'm saying and his cohorts. Yeah. They were saying as a unit. Mm. The BSU was saying. And uh, having come from that genre in the uh, having been locked up and through the dregs and knowing some of those characters and watching how easy it was for me to stumble into what I did. Uh, I didn't go into it pre planned or anything, but uh, I couldn't believe that that was an, a, a unique act. You know, no one else could find that out. And that's just one avenue into it. Because, you know, while a lot of people can stereotype the type of uh, criminal that a serial killer would be, society has to loosen up its belt a bit and admit that jailers, like at the uh, Tucker farm down in Arkansas, who get tired of recalcitrant troublemaker inmates, take them out back and kill them and bury them, are serial killers. Oh, hey, man. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's a wide range of activities that get included in something like He's that. He's definitely gotten more egotistical. That yeah. Years ago in the Old West, where someone would set up a boarding house and people who came by never left. Mm -hmm. Whole families, individual travelers. Yeah. We'd go on for years before they could. I wonder what kind of books he reads. I imagine he right. reads a lot of books. It's things I've read about. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, what do you know? Also in the 1890s mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Poisoners, yeah. people like that. Um, what a smug dick. Or... No, was... What's up with this shit? Oh, yes, I'm doing my time and I'm miserable. And they say, good. You know, that's not what it's about. Mm. Huh? Uh oh, we're getting serious now. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Could you tell us how long you've been in prison? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, this month is 18. I've actually been in prison. What were you convicted of? Eight counts of first-degree murder. And what was your sentence? Seven years to life um, 
CC that's called uh, concurrent. It means all the sentences run at the same time. That means they run consecutively? Oh, no. That's the opposite of consecutive. Yeah. Consecutive would be one at a time, and of course you can't serve multiple life sentences. But uh, fucking guy. There was some question before my case that, uh, that whether on the legality of that. So when my case went through, uh, the judge sentenced me to one term of seven to life, which at that time was the uh, was the maximum non-death penalty, and uh, all the run concurrent at the same time. In considering uh, your crimes uh, and crimes done by other serial killers, what do you think uh, society should do in generally with uh, serial killers? Do with them? Yes. Uh, it's a difficult question to answer from my point of view because I'm obviously an involved subject. So it would any answer I would give that would be other than the death penalty would sound very uh, <clears throat> self-serving. I look at people who, on the surface, don't have any redeeming qualities whatsoever. They don't do anything or say anything or behave in any way that would make your average person want to save their life, want to keep them alive, and feed them and house them and clothe them for decades. But when I first came to prison, I had much the same attitude. Uh, it was a very defensive attitude, very self-preservative attitude, because those, those immediately about me were very much set on destructive attitudes toward me. So I put up screens, so to speak, to screen out those feelings. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and those reactions to me. <coughs> I'm driving your sound lady crazy. <coughs> Also, when you feel you need to redo an answer, you can do it. You know, it's I don't have any problem with that. No. I understand. Yeah. The problems involved. I had to do a whole interview over once because the lady wouldn't check her audio tape recorder. I kept saying, you better check it and make sure it works first. Oh, you're, oh, you're the sure. audio engineer. All, all right. Later, you're the producer. All over again. This guy. She was ready to cry. I'm telling you. <laughs> I guess I could have, but that was the where I, the, the pen was mightier than the sword, right? Mm -hmm. The only interview I did back at, back at the time of my case. This is just a little anecdote. Let me ask you something, Matt. Wait on me. Would you, if given the opportunity, go to prison and interview this man? Would I sneak in a carbon fiber pistol and just take him out? Yes. <laughs> it, it... Seriously, would you? You want to talk to this guy? I mean, it'd be an interesting interview, but here's the thing. What could we ask that hasn't been asked? In all his decades of doing interviews and everything else, what could we ask that hasn't been asked? I'm sure we could come up with a couple that... of things. That would make sense. That would be a reasonable question oh. to ask. I would look him dead in the eye. I'm sure it's been asked, but I've never seen an interview on it. Yeah. I would ask him some harder questions like, do you think you're smarter than me? <laughs> like, it's just, I, I would ask him questions that would uh, be 
a blanket insult yeah. to see if uh, if he ends rise. the interview or if I can get a rise out of him. And it, it wouldn't be like I wouldn't be a dick about it, but I'd be a dick about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you gotta realize six nine, like by today's standards, still tall, but not unreasonable. Um. Because oh, I, the- I'd have you there. I'd have you there. Man, I'm, okay. try- I, I'm telling you right now, I'm a big dude, but six nine's a whole other class of. He's asshole, old. He's been. He's he's old. He's been fucking eating jail food. He's fine. And he ain't Have hurting you nobody. seen some of them dudes coming out of prison? They, they yoked. All they got to do in there is work out. Ed Camper ain't yoked. I promise you that. No, he definitely <laughs> a bookworm. But I do have. I do work with a, a guy. He's a buddy of mine. Um, he's a uh, six foot seven. Okay. And uh, when you look at somebody that tall, um, it is very imposing. However, there have been moments where I've looked up at this gentleman and I thought six seven ain't that big. I mean, it's almost a it's almost a foot taller than me, but uh, like I don't know, it, uh, height really doesn't intimidate me as much as like personality. Now, if I said, "Do you think you're smarter than me?" and if he said something to the effect of, "Well, I know right now I could reach across this table and fucking rip your eyeballs out and feed them to you if I wanted to," I'd be like, "Whoa!" Then I'd probably get a little chill up my spine. And I'd probably say something that would probably get me booted out of the EU. <laughs> like, you're not you got to remember these, me, are you? <laughs> these folks are interviewing. Now, granted, I know there's a guard in the room, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. But this dude's not cuffed, not shackled, nothing sure. impeding his motion, his movement. And they're within striking distance talking to him. Do you think they're going to ask some real hard hitting questions or are they going to kind of softball him? He couldn't even kill his mother. With his bare hands, he had to use a hammer, and then he punched her face in. He's a chicken shit, dude. <laughs> oh, but you gotta understand what I'm. Just, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Without looking at what he is as a person, listen to what sure. I'm saying. Sure, sure. These people. Yeah. First of all, they're French, so. <laughs> in a room with a giant. They're, of course, they're gonna ask soft hitting questions. They're not gonna ask him anything sure. real. But I mean, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, what could we ask that? would add to what needs to be known about Ed Kemper outside of us just going to poke the bear. It'd be poking the bear, dude. I'd be poking yeah, it with both hands. Per- fucking, ah, yeah. A thousand percent just poking the bear. Oh, I'd have to wait. To- <laughs> they- they'd never let me in because I'd probably fucking, I'd want to ask him something that really just fuck. I, I want to rise out of him. Just because I, I, I want to go, I know you think you're smarter than everybody, but I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you to just amp up a little bit, just so I can see him pissed. I wonder if he's ever been in jail. I wonder what he gets pissed off about. You know, I don't know. Man, I, you gotta realize. I wonder. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, what does what gets under Ed Kemper's skin? What pisses him off? Yeah, that's probably just calling out his intelligence. What if What if I asked him a really important, like a really deep question? And he was talking, and like right in the middle of it, I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa I, I, we don't need anything too deep and detailed here." Okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just interrupted him and moved on to a different question. Yeah, like okay, okay, that's enough. That's all we need for that one. We don't, we don't have all day. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what? That would that would be what got him. Guarantee you that piss him off. Oh man. <laughs> oh, God. and then like you ask him soft hitting questions the whole time, and then you ask him a really deep one. 
<laughs> and then like he, he has something profound and you just say, oh, no, no. whoa, <laughs> I don't need you to write a fucking book, Ed. Okay. <laughs> but he just said what would piss him off would be somebody stealing his pudding cup. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was reading he behavior trained a fellow prisoner that would sing real loud while everybody else trying to watch TV. He'd, he'd literally throw water on them to make them stop. And if they were quiet, he'd give them peanuts. Like animals? Yeah. That's what we do to our dogs. We, like, spray them with a spray bottle. Yeah. No, for real, though. But for real, he got this guy to where he'd ask Ed if he could sing. Instead of just doing it, he'd ask for permission. Wow. That would be... That's <laughs> Scott, ask him if he likes cream cheese on his face. You, know <laughs> you know what I'd ask him? I'd go... Ed, do you like your eggs scrambled or do you like them over easy? And if he's like, uh, yeah, I like my eggs over easy, or he's probably say he'd probably go against what I say. He'd probably, I like them, no, whatever, whatever. So I like them poached. I'm like, okay. how'd your mom like her eggs? So if we're gonna, <laughs> if if we're gonna go in and do this, I'm assuming that's what you're building up to is trying to get an interview with him. <laughs> Dude, I I absolutely will try and figure out how yeah. we even go about that. That's what I figured. So if we're going to do it, we need to go at it like Zach Galifianakis on Between Two Ferns. Oh, God. <laughs> so I hear you have problems with your mom. So was Mother's Day really awkward? <laughs> no, or I mean... bring a picture of his mom, like framed. And it's like we at the end of it, we like, we actually brought you a gift. Um, we thought you'd like to hang this in your cell. Or bust out. No, bring a picture of his mom. <laughs> but a little bit, like, blown up a little bit. Like, more of a bust shot, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, we brought you a gift. Hold on, we might want to make a little bit more how you last remember and just cut it off at the neck. <laughs> and be like, here you go, buddy. Uh, or, or I'd wear a jacket and, like, at the, at, like right before the end of the interview, like, it's really hot in these prisons. I pull it off and it says, your mom listens to our podcast. And then on the back of it, it says, no, she doesn't. She's dead because you killed her. <laughs> that, I bet that Who's more light fucked up, Ed Kemp or us, as we sit here and figure out how to fuck with Ed Kemp? <laughs> I promise you there's no other podcast on earth that has talked about if they interviewed a serial killer, what kind of shit they would talk to him, how they'd get a rise out of the guy, you know? Ugh. Oh gosh! You are just itching to bring bad juju on us, and it just uh, terrifies me. I, I ain't scared, dude. I ain't scared. I'm in, I'm in it for the clicks, dude. I'm, I'm in it for in the views. For, do it for the gram. <laughs> need, to get, need to get monetized in this mother. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I think I think that would. Could you imagine you go in like you play off like serious serious interviewers, and you go in there and <laughs> you just fuck. Bro, I'm telling you, if we're going to do it, we got to do it like Zach Afanakis on Between Two Ferns. Because he's trying to do a serious interview, but it's yeah. nothing but shit talking. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure nobody's gone in there and asked him how he likes his eggs. You know what I mean, do you like your water with ice? <laughs> I'd go in. I'd go in and ask him, like, what's a perfect Sunday morning for you? <laughs> you know what I mean? I just like, what's a perfect Sunday morning? What does Ed Kemper dream about? Oh man! <laughs> if you could have dinner with any one person, alive or dead, who would it be, and why is it your mom? <laughs> oh man! Uh, oh god! <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know if I would ask that one. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far there, Mike. That's a little... I probably would. I probably... <laughs> you know whoever reads the comments on this before they actually watch the video, they're going to be like, what the fuck? It's going to make them want to watch it. And like, what are these fucking vile human beings talking about? Oh, oh shit. I, I should just start titling the... Instead of talking paranormal number 47 serial killers, Ed Kemper, it should be, how does Ed Kemper like his eggs? Tonight we find out on Talking Paranormal. Oh, man. There you go. Ah, jeez. Like, so, doing crazy stuff in movies these days. What's your take on Fast and Furious? <laughs> nice joke for you here. But uh, <clears throat> I went through the whole investigation, the whole trial, no interviews with the media, right? And then this one woman who had treated me pretty fairly in the media, she was in this uh, drove or driven toward uh, beating me with the newspapers. Um, she tried to do a more in-depth piece around it. And uh, so I did an interview with her before I went to prison. It was the day I was sentenced and I was waiting for the butt or the, the car to prison here. And uh, I actually, wait a minute, excuse me. That was the, that was where I gave her the interview. Okay. I talked to her just briefly. She came, she was hovering around. I was at the, the, the jury room at the courthouse talking to my lawyer. He hadn't shown up yet. She was up there talking to the officer that was with me. And we all just had a, I said, she, my officer or my lawyer does not want me talking to the media at all. So quick, I see him coming way down the hall. I said, let's set up a little scenario and act like I'm giving this really incriminating interview that screws everything up, right? And she kind of laughed because it was breaking the, the tension in, in the room, you know. So we set up this whole scenario, and she's busily acting like she's writing, and I'm talking about all of this harebrained stuff that relates to the case and feelings, and he just, he just starts turning bright red as he gets within hearing range. He's like a big clown, got this huge forehead, hair standing out all over, and now he turns bright red. And he says, matter, no wet hand. And he stomps into the room and slams his briefcase on the desk, and, and uh, we all start laughing, and he gets really mad now. I said, what are you laughing about? I said, this is a setup just for you. I said, I'm not doing any interviews. But later on, I gave her an interview because uh, she treated me so fairly up to that point and, uh, and also had, uh, she gave me a pen that day. It was a, a cast aluminum uh, ballpoint pen. And I took it back at my high security jail cell up in Redwood City. I was really slammed down tight. I'm in a two-man cell by myself. They have a camera on me 24 hours a day, a monitor, videotape monitor. The lights are on. It's uh, two sets of these four-footers here. And it's as bright as day, all day long, all night long, you know, 24 hours a day. And I was there for five months. And uh, I brought this pen back in. I smuggled it in with me. And I get strip shook leaving the cell. In his prison wallet. Coming back in. And I brought this pen in, and it got in with my legal papers. And uh, a few months later, in the middle of the trial, I smashed the pen on the floor with my boot, sharpened it, got a sharp edge on, a, on the metal, and slashed my wrist. It was bleeding all over the place. And uh, it was very messy and very exciting, and everybody was dragging me off to the hospital. get sewed up and all of that. And uh, I got maced, <laughs> shot with industrial strength bottle of mace they had about a quart of it and they just gassed me with that whole thing and uh dragged me off to the hospital 
and I made a, a quippy comment. I don't think the police translated it properly for the media because they missed it. They love, you know, how they love to get into puns on, on broadcast television. They love these little verbal puns and plays with words. And the pen is mightier than the sword. I turned the pen into a sword and, and cut myself. Both times I attempted suicide, I did it with a pen or parts of a pen. And I thought that was kind of uh, interesting, but uh, the media never picked up on that. They were too busy being serious. But at any rate, uh, at one point, once. A- All right. I'm done listening to this fucking psycho. I will say that uh, he just proved my point that he's a chicken shit. Why? He wanted to kill himself. So he, he went this way, kill, trying to kill himself. Yeah. That's that, cry for that's that, cry for help. And if I'm gonna kill, if I want to die, if I really want to die, I will die. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like uh, <laughs> he again. He tried to be. He had to do it in the courtroom. You know what I mean? And he had to try to get a pun out there. Tried to get a pun out there. Tried to do it publicly. You know. Yeah, this fucking look at this piece of shit. Just I'm look at that guy. It. I'm over it. <clears throat> All right. Well, I, I think we I think we can call it good there. I think we can call it good. And also, uh, I was looking at our stream yard. It's doing something funny up Let's at the top. It. I've never seen it do that. It's got a red box around. Uh, I don't know. Something's going on weird. And I don't know if that means we got shut down or what. <laughs> on my end, it doesn't show. It just shows your uh, the Wi-Fi signal keep dropping in and out. Hmm. Um, All right. I got the Facebook one pulled up and it's it's still streaming just fine. Yeah. Okay, I've never seen I've never seen it do this before, but if we're still going, we're still going. That's great. Um well, I'm checking YouTube real fast. Yeah, check YouTube real quick. Make sure we're still going. I've never seen uh, Yeah, we're still up on YouTube. Okay, good. All right. I was a little worried there and I was like, gosh, I hope it doesn't cut off, but um that was a that was a a dark but fun fun discussion. I don't think like I said, I don't think many people take their you know uh, we take a light-hearted approach to a lot of the shit here it's really hard to take a light-hearted approach to something so serious but um well i mean know. man you could what's the right words i'm looking for here like we could you could come at this super dark super serious like so many people have done before and i mean and here's the thing if anybody listening to this and thinks we're we're being inappropriate about the source material 100 percent, we're not trying to be like we deeply respect the victims, absolutely, and all the comments are geared towards the piece of shit that made them victims. Yeah. Um, the gentleman doesn't deserve any respect whatsoever for what he did, um, and what he so arrogantly is like, I've done so much greatness since I've been locked up and helping yeah. people interview me, and then also. How fucked up are you as a person that you help a serial killer that confessed to being a serial killer pull off a practical joke? Yeah, that's kind of fucked up, right? I, yeah, I never that really didn't hit me until just now. But yeah, that's how manipulative this guy is. I think I, he just he he might be charming. He might have charmed her into it. He, you know he what kind of guilt charming. does she have? He's one of the da- he's dangerous like that. That's awesome. I mean, that's how he got the victims he got. Mm-hmm. He's super, super charming, yeah. and and I mean, like I know I know individuals that are charming like that that are huge pieces of shit, for sure. And they disarm you. They're disarmingly charming. Let me ask you something. Does a guy like Ed Kemper 
deserve to be forgiven for his crimes. No. Bro, I come across as a real easygoing guy, but I'm a very much a hammer down on some folks. Like, I'm very much, we need to get back to some old school shit instead of housing these guys up yeah. for decades. Like, if they're found guilty, they're guilty, it's done. I don't feel like feeding him for the rest of his life. No. Just take him out. There was a line in the Bible about eye for an eye, and I forget what what it was. But uh, I, I always thought it was an eye for an eye, and then I saw this. Hold on. Uh, eye for an eye from the Bible. Um, in Leviticus 24, 19, 21, it reads, And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he hath done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he hath cost a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. Um, but uh, so uh, hammer. There was, there was a there was a little bit more to it. I think Jesus talked about it. It was like uh, eye for an eye, and it was really good. Hold on, uh, damn it! I'm talking some real Old Testament shit. However, it does say if a man takes the life of any human being, he shall surely be put to death. Um, but then it says something. Uh, damn it. Uh, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, so far as to it depends on you. Be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave the room for the wrath of God, for it is written. Um, God, where? No, it was somewhere. It, it was really, really good. And I was like, wow, that's actually not a bad way of looking at it. But um, regardless, I don't know. I I don't think he should be forgiven, obviously, for obvious reasons. And I don't think that, but it's like, does he deserve to suffer for the rest of his life imprisoned? Or should we just end him and give him that sweet release of not having to spend the rest of his life in prison? Because obviously he wants death. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, bro. I could care less if it's a sweet release for them. Sure. But they're getting three hots in a cot. Yeah. For life. Sure. While not working, I have to work to yeah. get breakfast huh. and possibly get to go to bed at night. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, like, I, I feel like we'd save some tax revenue. Let me ask you this. What if he had never killed the co-eds? What if he had never killed his grandparents? What if he never killed the other lady, but he killed his mother and did exactly what he did because she was such a bitch? Still, she doesn't deserve to die. I'm not saying that. But does he deserve to be forgiven and understood for his crimes? No. 10-4. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure some folks are like, Matt's going to be the bleeding heart on this one. No. Like, unless, unless you are taking a life to defend yourself mm -hmm. or another innocent life it's a no-go yeah i think it would have i think it would have hurt his mother for him just to disappear and for her to never know what happened to him <laughs> you know more yeah. than cutting her head off and you know going reverse on it <laughs> like, um I, I i don't i i i'm with you uh bullets are cheap <laughs> you know what i mean uh, i mean i i who was it? Utah? They just did. They uh, they just did their last firing squad. 
execution. Oh, really? Oh, no shit. Yeah, I, I say just. It was probably a couple of years ago um, or so. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a controversial topic. It it's is. A very, it's a very controversial topic. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for I'm all for forgiving some things. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. I'm all for the forgiveness. I'm all for the we need like we need to figure something else out for our our prison systems because I mean they're they're all they're all overcrowded for mean for meaningless bullshit lockups anyway on a lot of it. Now the folks that deserve to be there, cool, serve your time. But I mean, as far as like. And I mean, again, it's a controversial topic right now, so I can't go. I don't want to go too much into it because I don't want us to get canceled. I want us to keep growing, sure, and everything else. But there's some crimes, and we all know the crimes. They should be put down the second they're found guilty. Hundred percent. I agree. I agree. Hundred um, percent. I just I had to ask these hard questions because it is a topic of is it um, inhumane to kill these people. I don't think so. They what they did more, is inhumane. They get executed more humanely than the people that they murdered. They get executed more humanely than the people they murdered and the animals we eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, I mean, I have to agree with Scott there. Yes, that's definitely one of well, them. Well, I mean, that's kind of the one I was aiming towards. But like, like I said, yeah. there's some things you can't say. Some things you can't say. It, without it getting flagging. And it's, uh, next thing you know, everybody's up our ass about. Yeah, but I, I agree with what Scott's saying, um, yeah. especially crimes involving children. Um, I put them up there with serial murderers. Kill them. That's, that's percent. <laughs> you know what I mean? There ain't even uh, a maybe attached. That's a thousand percent. Take them Te- out. <laughs> Texas or Florida, I think it was Florida, is working on passing execution for uh, really? child molesters. Mm-hmm. Really? That is amazing. I will support Florida Dude. in that 100% percent <laughs> dude descent <sighs> all right i'm gonna get off soapbox for a second guys i'm 100 percent pro desantis okay running for president but he can't he doesn't need to run right now okay he kind of scares me there's something DeSantis? about him i don't there's something about him i don't know he's doing a lot of he's throwing a lot of uh, good softballs out there and he's uh, good, I, I think he's just tired of all the bullshit man i hope so i really do hope so I just um, don't trust politicians. Period. I don't. Bro, trust I don't. Them. I don't trust them either. But like, like I'm gonna be real, and this is gonna come as a shock to a lot of folks. I'm sure. Um. Yep. It's Florida. Um. <laughs> we we're stuck in a perpetual cycle right now, as far as politicians go. We're we're all swinging too hard for an overcorrection. Yeah. Like Biden. Biden was the overcorrection for Trump. Fuck. <laughs> and now if people now with Trump taking the lead in the early polls, if he can still run after all this all his legal shit's over, Trump's probably stands a really good shot for the overcorrection that is Biden. Like we're just gonna keep going back and forth. DeSantis He's kind of that middle guy. Like DeSantis, Asa Hutchinson, I mean, those are some of the guys running this time that I wouldn't mind seeing in there just because they're more of that middle-of-the-road politician, and that's what we need right now. 
Like, we don't need the extreme one way or the extreme the other way. We kind of need that middle-of-the-road guy that just wants to get in and get shit done. I would like to see somebody who is extreme in the fact that he'll go out there and he'll say, like, something to the effect of, hey, I think all chimos should be put to death. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, I think some drug offenses should be a slap on the wrist. I don't think somebody dealing weed should be put in jail for, you know, when it was that way. But see, um, we had, But see, we had that guy. We had that guy in Trump. Did we, yeah, we, we did. We, we had that guy. Here's my the problem pro- with Trump. Let me, uh, me. Here's my problem with Trump. Uh, I'm big in the, I feel, and I got to watch my P's and Q's here. I feel like there's some very bad things being done to children on a wide scale level. And I think that a lot of people in high levels of power know about it. And yep. I know Trump knows about it. I yep. absolutely know Trump knows about it. And... um I would have respected him more for the shit that went down with Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. I think if he would have said, oh, he didn't he didn't kill himself. I've been telling you guys about the swamp for a while. Have I not? <laughs> like if he would have said something to the effect of that or went harder on the Maxwell broad, um, you know, I there was a couple things he did where I was like, all right, sweet. And there was a couple things where I was like, why is he so light on that? I think they might have dirt on Trump. I think there might be something there that if he dug too far into one side, I think maybe some skeletons would come out of his closet. Now, did I vote for Trump? Yes, I did. Would I vote for him again? Yes, I would, depending on my choices. Um, exactly. And the problem is you have some great choices. Yeah. But it's going to come down. It's coming down. What it's going to come down to is it's going to be, do I vote for these guys? So I like them better. Or do I go for the vote for the guy that I know is going to be getting the most of the votes and yeah. just try to help push him the rest of the way just so that we get that correction. And again, I think Trump's an overcorrection. I don't think he should have ran again. I'm being, I'm just being honest. Like, I, I have no personal issue with the guy. I think he was out there. I think he shook a lot of things up. But yeah. I think, I think, I think he also stirred too much shit up. Yeah, there's. Uh, he just went about it the wrong way. That being said, um, I'm going to run for president in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for you. <laughs> I'd blow it in some way, shape, or form. I'd fucking blow it, <laughs> or people would dig it. And they'd dig up some old episodes of this shit. <laughs> oh, bro, they'd be like, "So you said you believe the government's gonna fake an alien invasion? Yet you're running for president. I'm gonna stop that shit, yo." I just think when you get, I think maybe some of these politicians go in there with good intentions, and I think that I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying some may. And then they get corrupted along the way. And I think the thing with Trump was that he couldn't be corrupted because either A, you may believe that he was already corrupt, or B... He had enough money that he didn't need their money to get corrupted by. When you when you run in those... Cert- I mean, the guy knew Jeffrey Epstein. He knew all these creeps. He never heard shit about it. Never heard a damn thing about it. Um, you know, he's talking about draining the swamp. I want specifics. Tell me what is involved in the swamp. Tell right. me. Tell me the shit. Tell me there's sadistic satanic rituals going on with children and that people in high levels of government are doing it yeah if that's real and i i believe i believe uh, one a thousand percent maybe yeah, <laughs> you, you, know? you won't you won't hear me uh disagreeing with that i uh I, ju- I just i don't know for a fact and i don't have evidence but that said he's never said that there wasn't you know what i mean uh True. there was a lot of shit that he could have addressed with the QAnon shit and all that, where he could have just said, nah, none of that's true. 
Uh, as, as crazy as it sounds, and I hate those guys as much as you, none of that's true. It's not that crazy. It's pretty crazy, but it's not that crazy. Never said any of that. I don't know. Freaking on. QAnon, right? <laughs> that's a that's a hole we'll have to we'll have to jump in. That's a rabbit hole we'll have to jump in nose first here on an episode. Birds um, aren't real. <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting to do a really good flat Earth one. I need to. I've been looking into people that could actually try to convince us that the Earth is not round. <laughs> uh, we'd have to bring our A game. Maybe we'll have a debate between two people. And be able to moderate it. That'd be fun. I'd like to moderate. Ooh, shit. I would love to moderate a debate. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. And I, going back to the whole language, uh, lang- body language expert. I wouldn't mind having one of those on the show and just like clipping out certain interviews of serial killers, and just having them like pull them up one by one and just see what the person thinks about it. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be fun. Hmm. Yeah, as the show evolves. We're going to come up with some fun ideas to make this show a little different than the other ones. Um, but uh, on that note, you know, I, I'm pretty happy with this first uh, this first true crime um, episode. Uh, I know that there's been some questions of whether that's really paranormal or not. Uh, to be frank, I don't think either uh, either of us give a shit. <laughs> I think it's. A, I mean, uh, it's that's the beauty of doing podcasts yeah. you know, we can just kind of talk yeah. like it's our show we can talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about and either you're going to listen or you won't hopefully you listen no absolutely and in my opinion i think uh minds like ed kemper's are a little paranormal <laughs> you know what i mean um i uh i'm actually really after this episode i'm really looking forward to the next um the next episode uh and I, do you think do you think that do you think that science has locked down why people kill people like this why serial killers exist do you think they have all the answers do you think science has answered it for us I don't think they have I mean cuz it's like you're trying to like <sighs> give me one second you're, what you're trying to do is quantify evil sure by by figuring out how much evil a person has to have in them before they murder somebody. And I don't think there's really a way to do that. So, I mean, look at this guy. He was loved by the community. Now, granted, that was a persona he yeah. carefully crafted so that people would love him. Um, but still, I mean, the, it, there's not a way to quantify how much evil's in a person. That's a slippery slope. That's like coming up and saying, well, you thought about it, so you're guilty. Yeah. You know what I mean? So let's be real. We've all been caught in five o'clock traffic and thought about killing somebody. <laughs> uh, the last time I thought about killing somebody is when I really had to do a number two. And I went into the bathroom. And I was like, there's six stalls. And I know this bathroom has six stalls. And I walked in and all six stalls were full. And I could tell that some of these guys were on their phones. And I was like, you're probably in there playing Candy Crush, not really taking a shit. Get the hell out. <laughs> Some people really got to go. Get out. <laughs> uh, on that note, I like this. I did really want this to be a two hour long first um, first true crime episode. And going back to what we were just talking about, uh, the definition of paranormal is essentially shit that can't be explained by science. You know, what yeah. I mean? a lot of yeah. it's like um, deeper shit. But uh, I do think that. Um, there's still a lot of questions about people considered evil that I don't think science has answered completely. And I think that's what gives us that little leeway. 
Um, so, you know, uh, I'm happy with this episode. I think uh, oh, I think good. we'll have to be do more. Maybe we'll do like one a month or something. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Serial killer, serial killer of the month. Yeah, and, and our first one was this this character right here. This fella, this large Bro, I, fella. I absolutely feel like this is like the best starting point we could have had. Yeah, because I mean, everybody. It, let's be real. Just about anybody would have started with either the Zodiac or Manson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nope, we went with Ed Kemper. Yeah, and like I said, I really want to dive deep into. I think later on, we're gonna to have to uh, have an episode about the conspiracy theories involving the connections that some of these serial killers have and the similarities in their crimes. Oh, for sure. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But on that note, thank you all for joining us once again on Talking Paranormal. Um, <laughs> I, I just I had so much fun with this one. I didn't think I would. I didn't think I, I would. I know you didn't. I know you're a little leery. Yeah. I was a little leery, yeah. but uh, I'm very happy. Um, on that note, remember, folks, anything's possible. Oh, Dutch is like, I want to know what next week's episode is. Guess what, Dutch? We don't even know. We don't even know. Uh, give us a topic. Next person to write something in the comments. We'll talk about that topic, and it better be fucking good. You have until the clock hits 58. 58. You got one minute. And we cover conspiracy theories here too, so keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, if we can, if there's a paranormal or weird angle or mysterious angle in any of this shit, we will talk about it. I promise you. Okay, we're down to forty seconds. Yeah, forty seconds. <laughs> and if you're watching or listening to this after the fact, and you have a topic that you'd like to hear us cover on the show, you can reach us by emailing. Actually, no. Fill it out in the in the next comment section next week. <laughs> come come watch the show. The Unabomber band. killing himself. There we go. That was the first one. The Unabomber going back into true crime. Okay, yeah, because he's got some. There's some some conspiracy shit about Ted Kaczynski. So yeah, uh, and we got right. Charles Manson being a CIA agent that got burned. Ooh, <laughs> nice one, Sean. Um, did ancient Egyptians have hole saws? I don't know. I mean, they domesticated dinosaurs, so anything. I think Ed Kemper may have had a whole saw. On that note, oh, <laughs> remember, <laughs> anything's possible. Don't stick your dick in a portal, or never mind, <laughs> Matt. And what else do they need to remember? It's a thousand percent maybe out there, folks. Keep it real. <laughs> That's right. We'll see you next week right here on Talking Paranormal. See y'all. <laughs>